Vegas. It's Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. Three o'clock hour. We're going to uh, try to get uh, Michael Senior on in just a little bit. Preview Monday Night Football. Also, R.J. Clifford, a little more fight talk. We did very little fight talk with Steve Kim there, uh, although there was a big fight announcement with uh, Ryan Garcia returning in December. Uh, we're going to have some sound for you in a couple of minutes with uh, Barry Odom, the head coach of UNLV, and good times right now, and they actually have – uh, at least two quarterbacks who can play. I like Cam Friel, too, the three. But uh, we'll see what he said about Doug Brumfield returning after a bye week. Will he start? Or will it be Jade Maiava, who has played pretty well in his place? So we do a, a pretty detailed rundown. Sometimes, you know, it sounds like we don't. But um, I had sent over a video. Did you click on the video that was slugged? Uh, stop buying cars. You can't afford. What does it say exactly? Quit buying cars you can't afford. Did you did you click on this? It is one of the craziest things I've ever seen. No, <laughs> it is. No, I gotta do it. It is a it is a tow truck trying to repo a giant pickup, and you know the cars are butt to butt, right? And apparently the the person who's getting their p- giant pickup truck repoed is like, nope, and is in the front seat trying to pull the tow truck. So there comes a point where the tow truck is actually the front the front end of the tow truck comes off the ground. Well, meanwhile the the pickup you must be all wheel drive. So it's 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 driving on its you know it's it's pulling forward on its front tires and they're like both in the air at one point. I mean, there's two you know each has two sets of tires on the ground. But it's a crazy thing to watch it. I'm like this is insane. And the only reason I mention it that I like it a lot is, you know, last week I was talking about having some car troubles. So this weekend, I made a real effort. Because you and I were talking about someone in the building who went to a car lot. And they were getting a car repaired. And then three hours later, they drive away in a new car. And I'm like, I can't do that. Like, I got to think about it. And then what's supposed to be a four-day process turns into like three weeks. This whole repo thing. People must be getting cars repoed left and right. I I've had I've had this car I have now for a while. I had no idea how high cars like the the price jumped. Like how much different the market is. I'm an idiot. I'm out there and I'm thinking like, oh, I can get I can get like this kind of a similar car for what I got at the, you know, about the same rate. No. The interest rates are through the roof. It's crazy, Damon. Speaking crazy. of repos, have you seen it happen in person? I've never seen it happen in person. It is so these guys respect to him. I was um Jared everybody. Dangerous job, man. Yes, but I've seen it's quick. Fiery you, situation. You yeah. have to be quick. I've seen it happen where you know it's just like a quick back in, shoop, yep. shoop, shoop, and out. One of my wrestling buddies, I had to go take them to the uh to the impound lot to at least get the stuff out of their yeah. car because we're in a group chat and it's just oh, they said they're gonna come take my car. I'd love to see them try. <laughs> they look outside thirty minutes later, yeah, gone. Gonzo. So respect to the tow truck guys because they are thieves in the night, ninja-like ability to just, you're not going to get my car, watch them. I cannot believe how many people are paying like $800, $1,000, $1,200 a month for cars. So it's nuts. I started pricing cars. I'm like, wait a second. I just wanted a like a mid-level lease. I'm like, what? What am I paying? What kind of cars are you looking at, Steve? No. Not. You- not. I actually, I would say I went. I went back 
in terms of uh, what I have now, and it's old, but what I have now and what I got it for, I'm going back. I'm cutting probably 33% off the price of the car, and the car payment's going up like 150 bu- 150 bucks a month. Yeah, 150 bucks a month. Well, I don't know what the luxury lot's looking like these days, so you know. We're, uh, we're, can we're, I? <laughs> well, one, it's not, I'm not getting I'm not getting luxury. Two, uh, if you go to the lots, uh, half the dealerships have no cars. I was actually driving around yesterday on Sunday when they were closed, and I was looking for uh, different models. I'm like, there is no inventory either. So it's like this perfect storm, you know, against in the face of the customer. So I'm sure I'll get some messages. I got good messages last week on my tire issue. So I'm sure I'll get some messages from 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 salespeople and car dealerships. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. Oh yeah, you're making them look bad. No, they're just taking advantage of the market. So if there's no if there's no inventory, I mean, I went to one lot where the that dealership had every every car in about a um, in the range of like twenty nine to thirty four thousand, uh, with a market adjustment up about nine thousand on every car. I was like, all right, I'm out of this market for this car. Woo. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, crazy stuff, crazy stuff. But this is not a car show, although we could do it. It's good you're here because if I tried it with Adam Hill, forget about it. And this is bad news for JVT because he was just talking last week about, yeah, I got a good down payment. We're going to get a car. I'm like, okay, good luck. What's wrong with Adam talking about? Uh, he's just not a, he's a weirdo when it comes to cars. He has no knowledge at all. I don't even know what he drives actually. So does he know what he drives? He drives it. He drives it. He drives it into <laughs> the ground. So do you have any clues who's going to be playing quarterback, starting quarterback against Reno for UNLV? It's kind of a big game, and they've got a situation here where Brumfield started, got hurt. Wasn't cleared. Practiced a good amount two weeks ago. I assume he got in a lot of practices this last week. And now we're heading to this rivalry game for the Cannon. And we still don't know who's starting. And Odom said last week at the beginning of the week, if Brumfield is ready to go, he's going to be the starter. So here he is updating uh, at the start here. Of the early in the press conference, Barry Odom talks about where Doug Brumfield is right now and how he looks. He's had a good day today, made progress last week, and excited to see how really all three quarterbacks can continue to improve and what we're doing on the field and the retention of you know the things that we've changed offensively over the last few weeks, the new things that we've put in this last week. And I thought all three have made really good progress. It's good to see uh, from a health standpoint other than uh, Jure, you know, everybody's everybody's pretty healthy. And we will know, um, you know, after we get through with Thursday's practice, have a better idea on how everybody did this week, the health of, of each position and, and that being one of them, and then make decisions from there um, after the conclusion of that practice. Any clue? Who's starting this Saturday? I think it's going to be my album. Because what, of it. What'd you hear there? How he immediately pivots to we have all three court we have three good quarterbacks. Which has been a weird thing that he's done the last couple of weeks because I don't know that Cam Friel has been a candidate to be truly in the mix of three quarterbacks, but maybe he's practicing well and Odom wants to say a few nice things about him. But I thought the retention was kind of interesting that he he said we've added and changed some things about the offense and we're going to see where the retention is. Yeah, are you guys putting in a a whole new game plan for Reno that these guys aren't prepared for? I don't think that's the case. Well, I bet you they use the bye week to to do some more install. And if it is Mayava in the lead, uh, I think they're going to do some different things with Mayava that 
Brumfield will have to learn. So this was this was one of those injuries where when it was described a few weeks ago at a press conference, it was described as kind of chest and back. But when you keep hearing over and over again, he's not cleared. What does that say to you? I don't. I feel like they're really beating around the bush. Because they're beating around the bush because I don't think it's a concussion. I because if it's a concussion, why not just come out and say that? Because one of the things well, I, you know what, listen to this part because uh, okay. he talks about respect for the injury. You know, there's a lot of questions about is he cleared to play or practice. That's still up in the air, and I, you know, I think out of respect for for him and and our program. Um, and I think, as I mentioned, Dre's the only one that will be out at this point. And it would be unfair for me to project if I think that who would be cleared for full activity and who wouldn't at this point. So if Doug is cleared to play, will he be the starter? It depends on how many snaps he takes this week and if he's able to go through the practice that's needed to play. And that's for every position, not just Doug. If you don't practice at the level that you need to because of health restrictions, then there's no way that you can go play and, and, you know, really uh, at the level that we need that position to play or, or, or any position for, for that matter. Okay. You want to restate your opinion? Anything changed with that bite? Nothing at all. I just think that he doesn't want to come out and say that <laughs> Doug Brumfield is not the starting quarterback. In the videos in my phone, I know this means nothing, but when everybody was celebrating around the pineapple, I like zoomed in on Doug a little bit in the video and I said, looks healthy to me. He's smiling. He's, you know, he's jumping around with everybody on the team. So whatever that initial injury was, if it is neck down, I think he's good to play. Uh, this is a game that coaches love to take advantage of. You know, they make the opposition think about two different starting quarterbacks. Because they are different in terms of skill set. Obviously, Brumfield is much more dangerous with his legs. My is certainly respectable and can do the RPO well. But, yeah, they're in a, they're in a interesting position right now. But I thought – Kind of dancing around it a lot was was pretty interesting. I, I expected um, Brumfield to be cleared by now, so guess so we'll find out tomorrow. If we have someone out of practice, I think I'm out there. But uh, but even at that, you can't. You, oftentimes, you can't tell because players can. You know, when they talk about clear, they're not cleared for contact. So you can still go out and be very careful and and run the offense and look like you're practicing, but you may not be fully cleared. So. Maybe we'll get an answer on Saturday. I have a feeling we're not going to, uh, not going to until about two hours before the game, uh, if not closer to the game. Cofield and Company. We're going to have uh, R.J. Clifford from Autumn Windbags and uh, big time expert on the fight game from SiriusXM up in just a couple of minutes. So we had talked about. The AFC, well, we were kind of talking about the AFC picture at the top of the conference with the Bills, right? So it's early. Bills could freaking roll the rest of the way, but now the Bills are sitting at 3-2 and two after what was a horrendous loss in the season opener against the Zach Wilson-led Jets after A-Rodge had gone down. Uh, and I'm not – well, this is the way it works in the NFL. If a team goes out – and generally, unless they're a superpower, if a team goes out and wins 40-20 to 20 in an emotional division game 
on their home field, and then you add in some ridiculous travel, like this trip for the Bills to London, do you think they're going to be focused and in good shape going up against a, a team like Jacksonville that has goals of winning 10 or 11 games? It was completely set up for the Bills to flop, and it's not like they got crushed, but they wind up losing to the Jags. They're both 3-2. and two. I don't think there's a wide gap between the Bills and the Jags. I don't think the Bills are a superpower in the AFC. Uh, honestly, right now, who is the superpower? Is it the Chiefs? After, I think so. After battling the Vikings, who were, you know, the record for the Vikings stinks, but I don't think the Chiefs are a lot better than everyone else in the conference. And, again, the reasons are the O-line isn't what it used to be. These receivers are not what they used to be. You see how good Tyreek Hill is. Man, that was – even though it was the Giants, you know, I got a little setup at home. I got multiple TVs. So I was like, okay, who gets who gets the main TV with the sound? We talked about this before. A lot of times when we're watching the Chargers with the, uh, the SO, if she gets too fired up, too mad at the Chargers, she's like, that's it. Take that game. Put it up top. It goes to one of the corner TVs, right? By the way, I heard Colin Cowherd talking about – the corner TV reference. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But my guess is that his corner is like a corner of eight TVs. Like my TV wall has three. Like his is truly a corner. But yes, at times, games get vanquished. Even though the Dolphins were on the way to crushing the Giants, I kept that Dolphin game on the whole time just because I wanted to see the offense. And Tyreek Hill in a couple of plays, his friggin' speed – and I know I'm not stating any like, I'm the only one who told you he's fast. I'm not, I'm not doing that. It's just every time you watch him, you're like, how is he doing this in the NFL against other superhuman dudes at defensive back? And he just, he just freaking outruns them. So that's gone for the Chiefs. It's not like you replace that easily. Uh, their stable of running uh, wide receivers is decent. I'm telling you, the Chiefs aren't miles ahead of the rest of the conference, nor are the Bills. So, I thought the Jags would play well in this game. They wound up winning it. And now we've got an AFC picture that is, I believe, very muddled. And maybe this is overreaction the other way, because most people don't overreact to the middle, right? Like, I think there's a lot of teams that are closer to 10 or 11 wins than they are, say, 13 or 14 wins, right? And the Jags proved that against the Bills, and while the Chiefs got away with it, they didn't look great doing it. And now we'll get an update here in a little bit with Travis Kelsey. I mean, what if Kelsey's down for a while? Then what? Because he has come out of the gates playing really well, but if he's dinged up and there's a lingering effect for five or six weeks, look out. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. Tell you what, it's a good thing I stole Cofield and Company. Otherwise, uh, the DraftKings show with uh, Gojo and Golick might be Cofield and Company. That's an inside joke. Uh, Mike Golick is with us. Mike, of course, on the Westwood One call with Kevin Harlan for the Raiders game in town tonight. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? We're good. We're good. How was your show this morning? Oh, well, well, early out here, you know, at that time difference. Yeah. I'm used to being on the uh, uh, Eastern time zone. And being out here, I got in a little late and uh, last night and, had to gamble since I was here. I actually won a few bucks, but then paid the price by having to get up so early in the morning. Vegas got another one. I hope you won, though. I hope you won some money. 
I actually was. I'm up a few hundred, so yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll give it all back tonight after yeah. the game, I'm sure. <laughs> I love that it's a guarantee. I'm going right back to the table. So, um, Oh, hell yeah. I mean, it's their money, so i got to use it. Right? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's burning a hole in your pocket. Um, I don't know how much you got to uh, scope the scene last night if there were Packers jerseys uh, walking around well, last night, but I have a feeling tonight's going to be another one of those interesting spots for the Raiders as they look up in the stands and they're like, my God, there are Packers fans all over the place. It was amazing when uh, Ryan Radke and I did that game last Sunday with Pittsburgh, and hearing the cheers when Pittsburgh did something. Yeah, I, you guys, you guys know, and I'm sure I've talked about. It, it seemed yeah. like a home crowd when the home team has to go silent count. That's 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 not a bad that that that's a bad sign. <laughs> I mean, it, it really, really is. And there were tons of Packer people uh, around the hotel and walking over here. So yeah, I have a feeling it's uh, it's going to be kind of the same thing again tonight. You played the game. You've been around football forever. Are players that like? Do they get down in the dumps when they see a crowd like that? Does it actually affect you at home? Well, I mean, you're, you, in all honesty, you don't have time to really think about it. Would you right. love to hear your crowd roar and be a pro crowd? I mean, yeah. Listen, I was fortunate enough to play in Philly for most of my career, where I mean, they cheered incredibly loud for you, booed the hell out of you if you did bad. But you know, usually we deserved it then. But I mean, they were really, really for you. So. I'd imagine it's a bit of a bummer, but I'll be honest. I, I, I think I treat it just like um, bulletin board material. It, it, it's something until the ball's kicked off. Then players got to worry about the play. You, I, you know, I got to worry about that offensive lineman in front of me and him kicking my ass more than I got to worry about, you know, what the crowd's doing. So I'm sure they're bummed when they think about it, but while the game's going on, they got to concentrate on that. Where do you think Jordan Love is right now as a quarterback? Well, you know, I, I think you, you look at some of the young quarterbacks and you can put them in there with, like, the rookies, too, but the young guys, even like a Sam Howell in Washington as well, a Kenny Pickett in Pittsburgh. Uh, but, but Love is really like a, a rookie. And I think he's coming along. What, what he needs to do and what the Raiders need to stop him from doing or maybe continue what he's not been doing well, he's not been doing well in the first half. Now, he did, the first half, first two games of the season, he played well, but the first half, he has not been playing well, and that's a chance for the Raiders to keep keep that going for him to not do well and don't let him catch fire early. What hasn't helped, and it's the same thing with the Raiders. Neither team has a running game to really ha- help out the passing game. But I like I said of quarterbacks who hadn't done anything yet in the NFL, I thought a guy like Sam Howell and Jordan Love both looked good in the preseason with kind of their command of the offense. And I think I think Jordan Love is taking the steps in the right direction. When it comes to the Packers in that run game getting going, they have Aaron Jones, he has the hamstring injuries, also have Quadzilla back there. What do you think is slowing them down? Is it just the injuries with Jones that's hampering that running game so far? No, I'll tell you what's slowing them down is the injuries to David Bakhtari out for the year. You got Jenkins hurt, you got Runyon hurt, you got Zach Tom hurt. Their whole line has been a mess. Now, they're getting Tom, Runyon, and Jenkins. They'll all be playing tonight. Bakhtari's out for the year. But that's been a massive drawback for them. You know, they got Aaron Jones back last week, and you think, okay, you know, he misses a couple of games. He's going to come back with a vengeance. Five carries for 18 yards. So, I mean, and this team is really built on that two-headed running attack they have. But that old line in front of them has really, really been struggling with the injury. So that's been a major part of it. Raiders playing tonight, Monday Night Football, here in town at the Owl Legion Stadium. On the call in Westwood, you'll hear him uh, right here on ESPN Las Vegas. is Mike Golick, senior um, tell us about defense going against Garoppolo because it feels like because they don't really have a deep threat and a lot of it is, I mean, Devontae Adams can go deep, but a lot of it is 
Jimmy Garoppolo is assumed to not be throwing the ball 30 to 40 yards down the field. Um, from a defensive standpoint, it, it it feels like teams are playing. I mean, I know they're not playing ten in the box, but they're creeping so many guys up that it's yes. you know there's there's no deep passing, and then you know Jacobs looks up and there's guys in his face all the time. Well, yeah, I mean he's another one. This is another shocker, right? Leading Russia last year, and and really he's got more receiving yards than rushing yards. Again, something you don't really see, but you're right. Unlike, you know, Jordan Love, who has been, you know, averaging about 10 yards of pass attempt, he throws the ball downfield a decent amount. That's one of the reasons his completion percentage is low. Garoppolo really doesn't do that. Now, you know you're going to target Devontae Adams a ton of times, obviously, and Jacoby Meyer some. I, I'm, I'm somewhat surprised how much Renfro has not been involved. Now, Michael Mayer coming in from Notre Dame, Mayer was never a guy that was going to pull away from defenders, but you got to trust him that he's going to make the catch. That's what he made a living on at Notre Dame, and I think he can do that here as well, even if it's in traffic, but he's not getting a lot of opportunity. So defenses really kind of know uh, where, where Garoppolo, or in the case last week of O'Connell, are going to go with the ball. You know, Alexander's got a bad back, uh, so that, that might benefit the receivers a bit for the Raiders tonight as well. But you know they're going to they're going to target Adams. But you really don't. Have, you're right. Don't have that deep threat. So why play deep? Play up. Force the, the the shorter throws and or invite the shorter throws and make the tackle right as they make the catch. Don't get many yards after the catch. Can the winner of this game with the Raiders and Packers get to a ten win season? Do, do either does either team have that upside? I don't think the Raiders are, are going to be able to get there. In all honesty, um, I, I don't see it. For the Pack, and plus the Raiders, look at the division they're in. Yep. I mean, this would be obviously a huge win for them. But Green Bay, you know, that division really is looking, it looks like Detroit is taking control of it now. But no one's going to sit there and say, oh, yeah, you know, that that's the team right now. So that's still fairly open, you know, outside of really the Chicago. I guess with two teams, really, it would be the Packers and Detroit. So that's what the Packers are fighting for. You know, the Raiders are in there with, with uh, obviously Kansas City, what a what, what a team they are, and the, the Chargers, while they can make you scratch your head at times, you know, are, are still a good team that are going to be looking to jump in that wild card spot. And then you have Denver and the Raiders picking up uh, after that. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be hard for the Raiders to get to ten wins. You know, we were talking earlier about the Raiders. If it does go south, uh, Raiders fans are already you know willing to turn the page, and they want Caleb Williams. There's a chance that Caleb Williams, when he makes his decision, could be looking at organizations like the Raiders, the Broncos, the New York Giants, uh, the Chicago Bears. I mean, there, there's some pretty crazy stuff that could happen at the number one pick. So let me let me say this because I know the the, the thought out there. I know it was Caleb Williams' father that said, "Hey, with the NIL money, he could choose not to go and go back to school." Let me just say, and this is a term I would use yeah. when I was on ESPN Radio a lot. There is no way on God's green earth that if Caleb Williams is the number one pick in the draft, he is going back to school. Because the bad team that picks him, guess what? You're going to go back to school. Guess who's going to pick you the next year? A bad team. It's just a matter of what bad team you want to go to. So there is no way, no way that he is passing up being the number one pick. Go risk the possibility of injuring yourself going back to college. Even if you can make, from what I understand, maybe in the teens of millions of dollars, uh, possibly he could make back at USC. I do not see it. A bad team picks at number one every year unless they give up ungodly currency to move up and get there. So 
you want to say I'm not going to this team, well, then good luck to you because the next year it's going to be another bad team. we got to close on this, Mike. I think I've mentioned this before. I really appreciate you for stepping up, standing up for Vegas. About five years ago, I don't know what the timeline is, but I remember the radio interview where our buddy Sal Powell came on and was kind of freaking out that Vegas was getting a franchise, oh, and, you, yeah. and you were like, Sal, calm down. The place is kind of normal. It's not the wild, wild west. I, it just blows my mind to think that if a pro athlete got here, they were just going to become a gambling degenerate right. somewhere. I mean, they're, they're professionals, and, and, you know, for the most part they are. Listen, there's bad apples everywhere. Don't get me wrong. But still, it's their job. It's their profession. Look what Vegas has flourished into. Yep. Look what they have flourished into. Good to get baseball now, have the hockey, uh, have obviously the football, the WNBA, the Aces, uh, up one zip over the Liberty now, and, and another beat down there. Every time those two play each other, it's, it's, been a, it's been a blowout. So Vegas is a phenomenal sports town. I had a great time at the draft here a couple years ago. Super Bowl will be awesome here. This is a great, great sports town. Mike, they've got more problems with athletes and gambling in Iowa. That's <laughs> so right, true. Right. That is so true. Well, I bet it, uh, no, I'm not going to say don't it because I like Iowa. Yeah, I've been there. It. I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it. <laughs> there you go. We almost got you in trouble. Hey, we know you have a tight window today. Enjoy the game tonight. We're looking forward to the call. Thank you so much. All right, you got it. See you. There you go. Oh, that could have gotten ugly. Hey, you know what? He's he's on a stream now. He's on DraftKings. He can do whatever he wants. You know? Don't let the sun be the, the wild guy. Go, Joe. Senior can get crazy. Go ahead and do it. I I mean – Again, I don't want I don't want to see kids going to jail, you know, over being stupid for gambling in Iowa. But I kind of there is a little pleasure I I take in seeing that, you know, like we have it under control here. We know what we're doing. Okay, most athletes who come here know what they're doing. Not all of them. We've had some you know we've had some bad things with uh, guys on the Raiders. But I think those guys like Rugs and Arnett uh, could have had the same thing happen just about anywhere. And have we not said that every time someone bashes us, right? If, if you are a bad guy and you've got bad judgment and you've got an addictive personality, you could be in Ames, Iowa or Gainesville, Florida. We know Herb's program had a lot of problems. Uh, it, it's not always Vegas that gets guys into trouble. It's, like I said, addiction, lack of self-control. Keep it calm. Keep it calm. Big game coming tonight. Thanks to Mike Golick for popping on with us. All right, let's continue getting you ready for Monday Night Football right here in town. Packers are in town, all the Packer fans and the Raiders. I still have a lot of hope for the Raiders. I know Raiders fans and Raider Nation gets uh, really down in the dumps pretty quickly. R.J. Clifford is part of the nation. He does the Autumn Windbags podcast. He's also a radio star for Sirius XM with the the Fight Channel. R.J., how you doing, buddy? Radio star. I'll I'll take the promotion. You are. You are. You're like one of the longest-standing hosts on – Serious XM Sports, period. You are, really. Yeah, it's uh, and I never get promoted, so I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm just kind of just <laughs> in my little rut. They leave me alone. All right, give me your mood going into this game. You know it's going to be one of those weird scenarios where it's going to be really loud for the opposition, but where are you right now for the game tonight? Uh, It's a tough one because the good news is the schedule gets really light after this one. I think – as of right now, the Raiders are still, I think, minus one point favorites, basically a, more or less a pick them pretty close. But the schedule gets real light right after. And so, I mean, it could go really bad and we can still win like four of the next five, right? Detroit's the only tough game in the next, you know, in the next two months or so. So uh, it, it's, a, it's a weird one, right? Because this can bring in a lot of good momentum to get us going into the light part of the schedule. But um, it's this, this offense just can't get going. Like Josh McDaniel's offensive genius in this, 
and this offense just can't go despite the fact it got just littered with pro bowlers. Inconsistency, I think, is the biggest problem with the offense. I mean, it's it's cons- well, it's, it's consistently bad in enough spots, right? Like yeah. we got the all we got the uh, you know last year's rushing champion can't get the run game going. Uh, no, doesn't matter who the quarterback is, we're going to turn the ball over. Um, we can't get any push from the O line. The O the O line's uh, pass protection was pretty good for a while, not, and it was terrible the last two games. Um, I mean, there's things that have been consistently bad, and then the good things have been inconsistent. I've got to ask you, when it comes to being a member of Raider Nation, a diehard fan, what's that feeling and that reaction like where you have Devontae Adams after game saying, hey, I don't have time to wait around. Josh Jacobs, he's clearly invisibly frustrated, and they're only four games in. What's your reaction to that? Well, I think they I think they understand, like, they have to cling on to something, right? I mean, like you said, only four games in in a 17-game season, so, like, no season's really over. Um, one and four would be pretty close to it, though. Um, I, I think that's what you have to believe, right? When you're Max Crosby, Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, perennial all-stars, the best at what they do, and, you know, your coaches and your teammates just can't can't carry the water and get you where you want to go, you got to cling on to something. And so I think I think they're being honest. I think just simply, like, yeah, we're frustrated and mad, but we have to cling on to hope because if we give up now, it's going to be a long time till December. You know, it's funny with both uh, Adams and Jacobs, after they made their statements, I'm like, is that the right thing to do? Shouldn't they stand up there as leaders and be positive? But then I kind of get you know back to the original point. Like, are they not supposed to say something? I mean, maybe, maybe that's going to motivate the rest of the guys. I'm not sure what does, but I don't get mad at them. I mean, they're supposed to be leaders, but it's genuine frustration. I don't blame them. Well, and 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 with Josh McDaniels, he's not a vocal guy. Like, he, yep. like I think he's a cyborg that just thinks players are X's and O's on a chalkboard. Like. He said, what was the press conference he said? It was like, well, I didn't give him, you know, like a win-win for the Gipper speech. He's like, why don't you? You're the coach. That's what coaches do. <laughs> and so you have to have some vocal leader some somewhere, and it's got to be – and that's the thing about our leaders. Like, Josh Jacobs, Vonna Adams, Max Crosby, they're leaders by example. They're not big rah-rah guys. Like, they're not – they're not you know, they don't love the sound of their own voice the way I do. You know, he's, he's, they're, he's, they're leader by examples guys. So I feel like they're, they're feeling like they have to say something, but that's not – I don't think that comes natural to him. Well, if McDaniels gave a win one for the Gipper speech, it would come off stupid, wouldn't it? So why why would you if it's not in your forte, why would you do it? I would I, maybe like an AI generator can do that for us to see what it would look like just for the fun of it. A Josh McDaniels win one for the Gipper speech. But yeah, that's like I mean, if that's not what you do, then you got to find an alternative. And that's what we were that's what we were told after, you know, a decade ago when he screwed it up with Denver. When he came back, he said, "Yeah, I've I've learned from these. I've know what my mistakes are. I've grown up a lot since my early 30s, and I know and I you know I I know how to maximize what I'm good at now, and I know what I'm not good at. Well, if you know you're not good at motivating your players, what's your plan? Yeah, what's your what are you doing then? Because whatever it is, it's not working. Well, yeah, if you're not a motivator, you better be a freaking genius when it comes to X's and O's. And last year, it just sounded like Carr couldn't catch up with all the prep, so that was not good." Uh, this year, I feel like McDaniels has said on more than one occasion, like a couple games ago, when Renfro didn't get targeted, is like, well, he was supposed to be thrown two more. Okay, that, that that's the other thing. As a player, if you're frustrated and then the coach says, hey, if he doesn't say, my fault, that would drive me nuts. Like, you got to take ownership of this thing. I just, I wonder where we've got, I think we've got several situations around the league and RJ Clifford's with us, and I think definitely one in Denver. Um, that's where you got to disconnect with players and the coach. And then at some point, I'm not saying the players are quitting, 
But you wonder how much they're going to bust their ass for a certain guy if he's not a motivator and then you're not connecting with X's and O's. Well, it's a few things. First off, you brought up Derek Carr. He was the scapegoat last season. Obviously, it wasn't Derek Carr when he when it was the second worst season of his career. Like, he hadn't had a, a season that bad since his rookie year. Like, yeah. what changed? Hmm, I wonder, right? So, first off, Derek Carr was a scapegoat last season for Josh McDaniel screwing up. Now, it's like, we know how Josh McDaniels is with the media, right? He's very Belichick, very New England, give you nothing, just vanilla lines. So, I don't know if... I don't know if behind the scenes he is taking ownership, but that doesn't sound like Josh McDaniels at all. It doesn't. And he has no excuses this year. This is all your guys. All of your guys. Like, all your hand-picked guys, your draft class, your quarterback. Uh, you know, you, we're, we're desperate for defense for stars, and you go sign Jacoby Myers, another one of your receivers. Okay, right. You're going to line up with all your guys and put all, like, like top five in cap spending and offense, and still you can't move the ball. It's like, where where can you point the finger now, Josh McDaniels? Like, it better be at yourself. And I hope you're doing what the players because you're definitely not doing it out in the open. You guys mentioned him a little bit, so I just want to take the opportunity. What did you think about the ex-Derek Carr, you know, putting the shutout on Belichick? <laughs> I mean, is is New England taking tanking for Caleb? Like, is everybody tanking for Caleb? That was such a terrible performance by New England. And, you know, I've been trying to I've been trying to move on from Carr and not think about Carr and not wonder what it'll been like with Carr, but it's it, you can't, man. You're watching your ex on Instagram scoring touchdowns. It's like what? I don't know. I don't know what to well, do. Look at him; he got speechless. <laughs> it hurts so much, doesn't it? I mean, uh, I I tell most uh, Raiders fans that uh, when uh, Jimmy G is up on the web or when he runs on the field, just kind of look at him and you're like, yeah, you know, he is a good looking guy. He's a good looking feels he, better he and that but great. then but then you're like please throw accurately over 22 yards give us some kind of threat that, that to me that that is the biggest problem with this offense and getting anything going you have a bell cow running back who seems to have like 10 guys on the box all the time and there really is no threat over the top um which then goes back and we just sound like we're hammering the raiders here it goes back to the flawed offseason and the thinking like hey i'm gonna bring in a guy who's familiar with what we do but he has limitations, and now all of a sudden we have these receivers. Some of them can be deep threats, and now we can't really use them. Yeah, I think Josh McDaniels really had his heart set on Tom Brady coming to Las Vegas, which was ludicrous to begin with. Like, there's no way Tom Brady is going to a team with this bad of a defense. Well, he, I mean, he's a front runner. He came to right? Vegas. He's not doing that. He came to there's Vegas. No he, he owns he owns the Aces. He was at the game last night. He's here all the time. He's here. He was at uh, he was at the UFC on Saturday. He went to he went to an Apex show, sitting next to Dana. I mean, he's here, but he's not in uniform. He's not coming to the Raiders. He's not playing with the defense that bad. Did you watch? So him I, real- think, I think Josh McDaniels just screwed up. He thought he was getting Tom Brady. He's like, oh darn. Let me get Tom Brady light and Jimmy Garoppolo and hope he doesn't get hurt. Were you watching Brady the whole time, like seeing if he and uh, Dana were cooking up something again, like they they had about three years ago when it was all ready to go, and then they freaking Gruden pulled the plug on it. Yeah. I was walking around the apex putting up uh, it was a fumble signs everywhere. Just, uh, just to let him know he's home. When it comes to that defense, maybe trying to cause a couple of fumbles, getting a couple of sacks. Outside yeah. of Max Crosby, no one is doing anything on that defensive line. Are you regretting the Raiders' decision to select Tyree Wilson in the first round already? See, I can't – you can't tell me that we actually have defensive tackles on this team. You, sh- you show me some evidence. You show me proof. That there are Raiders defensive tackles because I don't see any on the field. They're that bad. And, you know, when we got Tyree Wilson, we knew going in, like, I had made peace that he would be a development. Uh, He was a development guy when we got him, and then he's hurt, and he's going to not have a preseason, not really have an offseason, not really have a training camp. It's like, okay, I've made peace with the fact that he's 
not going to be a big difference maker this year. But the whole draft class in general has been playing terrible. And I like this draft class. Like I thought Jacorian Bennis played okay. I, I was really excited about the tight end from uh, Mayer, the tight end from Notre Dame. But when everyone is playing their worst, I, I'm not starting to – I can't really think it's the players. It's got to be the team, right? If it's, if it's There's no way all these guys are that bad. Are you back this weekend? Am I back this weekend? Like back like in it, like ready to rock? No, back in Vegas. <laughs> back in town. Back in Vegas. I'll be back in Vegas. I'll be yes. back in Vegas. Yes. yes, another fight at the Apex. Who was the mm-hmm. most encouraging fighter? Maybe not an old guy on the last card. Most encouraging guy. Well, I mean, Bobby Green. Um, it's thirty nine. He won in a thirty three second knockout. I mean, this was a guy who long losing streak. He, he's like a Jorge Masvidal kind of guy. Like I feel like there's a lot of star power potential with him if he can just reel together like the correct wins, and uh, and beating a dude who was un unbeaten in his UFC run, nine fights without a loss. Um, in Grant Dawson, that's a great way to start. So, uh, Bobby Green wants to fight again in December. If he gets kind of a sexy matchup, like, like, I'm like a Patty Pimblet or something like that, he can, he can okay. be a little bit like a Jorge Mazadol, like kind of a, a late, late blooming star. This card coming up, is there some intriguing prospect or is it built around another older guy in Barboza? Uh, well, they're trying to see what they've got in Sadiq Yusuf. Um, he's been hot and cold in the featherweight division and Edison Barbosa is as good of a test as anybody. Um, that's, that's the main, I mean, that's the main event. That's what we're, we're looking at. But uh, yeah, other than that, I mean, it's, it's the apex cards are all about matchmaking and not stars. And so, you know, I mean, they, also with like Andre Petrovsky, they're trying to figure out what they have. He's taking on Michelle Pereira. Uh, Terrence McKinney has star potential as well. He's taking on Brendan Marote. So, um, there's some guys to look out for Joe Pfeiffer, Bo Nickel, who says no. Uh, if I'm Joe Pfeiffer, I say no. <laughs> I mean, well, look, these are. These are both developmental guys. I know everyone wanted to see that, right? Especially with how good Joe Pfeiffer's Joe Pfeiffer's wrestling looked on Saturday night. It was like, wow, this, this guy can this guy can really wrestle. But I mean, he was going against a guy that should be a welterweight, and he had like like seven inches on the dude. And he was a one dimensional kickboxer. So, look, I, I college wrestler myself. I'll get excited along with everybody else. But um, both these guys should be in exactly opposite tracks and only fight if it's for the title down the line. They're both developing, are developing. Let them develop. Man, you really ruined me there. You come with the expertise, right. and I just see a guy that they both are, they're both good at wrestling. And yeah, you're with the expertise. That's why you're the expert, RJ Clifford. Well, look, there's there's good at wrestling, and then one point away from making the Olympic team good at wrestling. And I think that's that that that's that's a bridge too far. I think for old Joe Pfeiffer. I've got nothing. He, he, he stumped me no. there. That's all. I, I feel bad that I I, I kind of snubbed you this weekend, but then it turned out you just left because you had asked me, was it Friday night? What was going on on Sunday for NFL? Yeah. Yeah. I drove I drove to Vegas for the first time in forever. It's like, oh, I can leave what I want. Maybe I'll stay around, watch the games. I'm like, I, oh, I figured, like, I figured Cofield, you'd be walking around Vegas on Sundays, like the dawn in like Newark or something. Like, you'd have like a spot. Everyone would be kissing <laughs> your butt, free drinks. I figured you'd just be like running the town. You're like, oh, I got Sunday ticket. I'll probably just be at home. It's like, yeah. oh, all right, I know it's I'm weak. Then. Well, here's the thing the Jets have a little bit of hope. And I'm not fun to watch Jets games with at all. I've gotten a little I like I, I had like six years of nothingness. So I would just go out and I could watch the rest of the, the league and now I'm starting to get worked up again, which again, I don't know why I'm doing that, right? Because basically yeah. the Jets are probably in the Raiders situation. So you get worked up every weekend for a team that will probably win seven, eight games max, but they gave me a little bit of hope yesterday by uh by winning the game. So now I'm gonna be stuck at home, not having a good time because of the NFL. Do you realize Think, do you ever step back 
and think how much the NFL takes over your existence week to week and what a crappy mood you are on Sunday night or Monday. They're like, why do we do this? It's it's ridiculous. So I, I came to a, I came to a conclusion like when the rate after week three, right? The Raiders are one and two. My my UCLA Bruins were three and zero. My BYU Cougars were three and zero. I was undefeated in both my fantasy football leagues. I have a beautiful wife, <laughs> adorable daughter that's turning four next week. Everything's great, and I'm miserable because the Raiders are one and two. Yeah. Everything else is going great, but I'm down in the dumps because Josh McDaniels doesn't know how to keep a, a turnover from happening. I got one last thing for you. I haven't been down to Long Beach in a while. We got into a conversation about a Long Beach joint because uh, Steve Kim, you know, really good on boxing, uh, went out the other night. Do you know of this place? Uh, what is it? Phil Trainees? Oh, he doesn't. I don't. Oh, okay. It's All a right. bar? Uh, restaurant, yeah. Like an Italian joint that uh, apparently was a big deal with uh, Lakers and UCLA and USC people of the past. So you might want to check it out. Pretty cheap, too. Pretty. Right. Um, I'm used to Vegas prices now. I looked at the menu. I was like, yeah, that's pretty right. affordable. Speak, speak of my language. Normally, it's just me in a dark room drinking, thinking about uh, Derek Carr and what he's doing. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yep. Boy, that hit. That, you know what? I did not realize that hit you as, as much as it, was, as it did. Uh, the X thing. We joke about it all the time. Man. You, you kind of just you hit a wall. You're like, I'm done talking. It's. I mean, what else can you do? It's like I stopped following him on Instagram. It's official. I'm officially broken. Ah, <laughs> yeah. And he's never had more fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, enjoy tonight, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon, and we appreciate you uh, being a little flexible uh, with the guest slot. Anytime, buddy. Thanks. There he is, RJ Clifford. I have no idea where we are on the clock. I got lost. I looked at you like all days. I was like, let's take a timeout five minutes ago. Did we get all our breaks in? Yeah. Because yeah, we, so, we broke really early. Yeah, now earlier. we're at the end of the hour, so we got so, two more minutes here. Okay, I'm sorry. This is this this happens every once in a while. I lose I lose track. And we, we, we adjusted well there. Um. We roll with the punches. Here. I honestly, I, I don't want to. I guess I will embarrass myself. You know, I don't follow the UFC like I used to when I was on the beat. Who did you mention with Bo Nickel as a potential fight? Joe Pfeiffer. I like. I just say Joe Pfeiffer the way the P and the Y is next to each other. Okay. But Joe Pfeiffer. Who is he? Uh, he is a young guy. He got a he got a contract on the Contender series. Oh, really? He's one of those guys. I like to call him an Apex superstar because <laughs> every time he's in the Apex, he's kicking butt. He looks amazing, and he's he's also in the middleweight division. Also, for him to fight Bo Nickel. But he's one of those. He's got the story of like I was sleeping on my couch, as so many you have, as so many fighters have it. You know, Dana helped him out a little bit. Or he's just one of those guys where he's got a good story. Also, I want to say he was on the Miami card where um, the last time I went out there with Israel Adesanya versus Alex Pereira earlier in the year. So he's just one of those guys that every time I see him, he looks awesome. Uh, up and under up and coming contender in the middleweight division. So just ipso facto to me, he I think Bo Nickel because I, I also want to see Bo Nickel face some better competition. Because I feel like they've just been, not that he's not ready, but it's, let's see it now. I don't want to see him fight another guy off a of replacement and they're kind of scared to fight him. Let me see someone that maybe they're not top 15, top 20, but at least I've seen him beat some people in the UFC. Does he have a manager? I'm not, not expecting a young guy to have a PR team. Someone's got to get up to Wiki. I don't think I've seen a fighter in years that was on a card that wasn't didn't have a Wiki page. What the hell's going on here? He doesn't. I'll go get on. <laughs> I was just looking at him like, oh, let me. Well, Devon's breaking it down. I'll, let me get a little nugget of his background. Nothing. Not up there. Twelve and two. I found his record. There you go, Pennsylvania guy. What is it? I believe he is a Pennsylvania guy. Yeah. Well, that was a stunted conversation. That that did not sound hopeful. Now back to RJ with the Raiders. I thought he would, you know, glass half full. They were not that far off from the Steelers. 
And I they were not that far off from the Chargers in, in spite of the fact that they really were far off, but they were able to stay in the game. They're this close. There's still hope. Josh McDaniels is an offensive guru. He's going to figure this out. Keep your chins up, please, Raider Nation. Uh, you can hear the game coming up in just a little bit, 5 o'clock, on Comp 92.3, Raiders and Packers, and also on Raider Nation Radio 920.